How are you? Um, thank you for starting the room. <laughs> Can you hear me? Uh, um, uh, let me write you. Uh, can you? Ah, uh, yes. Yes, you can hear me. Perfect. Uh, can you hear me? If you could do me a favor, um, could you click on my profile oh. picture and then make me a moderator, so I can share a link and and help you with um you know with the if people want to raise their hand and ask a question so when you click on my profile picture uh, yes. on the bottom there should be make moderate oh perfect thank you so much how are you today everything good hi victoria how are you Hey, nice to see you. Um, are, are you talking? Uh, Me? Uh, no, um, um, Dr. Yanagi Sava. Uh, I'm just checking if we can hear you well. Uh, you're breaking up a little bit. Welcome. So. Yeah, we cannot hear you very well. Can everyone hear me? Is it on my side? I can hear you, Katarina and Dr. Yanagisawa. I cannot hear you very yeah. well. Hey, sorry. Oh, no problem. Doctor, um, if, if you have any headphones on sometimes that makes it more difficult to hear the speaker on clubhouse we find that it can work best with just using the speakerphone if that's possible uh, can, can you hear me it's a little bit um not so not too loud Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll start in uh, five minutes. Um, we still have a little bit of time. So um, we just add the topics to the room. Hi Abyss, you want to come up? Hi everyone, in the audience will start in a few minutes. Thank you for coming.
Hi, welcome, Dr. Fukuma. How are you today? Can you hear us well? We're just checking the. Ah um... oh, yes, I do. I do. I I hear oh. you very well. Oh, sorry, uh, my my mic was off. <laughs> oh, perfect. No, we can hear you very well. Too. Ah, that's good. Thank, Thank you. Perfect. Hi, Abyss. Um, yeah, meet um, Abyss and Victoria. There, Victoria helps me moderate the room and helps me ask questions. And Abyss is also one of our valued members here. Right. Thank right. you. I've just turned on some background music while we're waiting. Yeah, we'll start in that's okay. three minutes. <laughs> I've chosen this composer that I really love, Ryuichi Sakamoto. I thought it would be nice for this talk. Is one of your colleagues in the audience? Do you want to invite him? Because I, I see, uh, I don't know if you invited more people from your lab or from the paper. Please let me know. We can we can bring them up so they can also share. Uh, right. Thank you. Welcome, Dr. Shah. Hi, Victoria. Hi, everyone. Good evening, Dennis. I didn't really hear what you said. I was just asking how it's going. Oh, well, it's sunny out here right now. Nice. How about you? Well, it's uh, it's dark, but it's it's very warm, so I'm liking it. 
Fully start the room and um, so um, thank you, Victoria, for the wonderful music. It was very relaxing. <laughs> it is. I love this composer. <laughs> yeah, you. it's very nice. You always have very nice music. Thank you. It's recently discovered, but um, yeah, thank you. All right. Go. Okay. Uh, welcome everyone to the Science Society. Um, we are very honored to have our special guest here tonight, um, or probably um, wherever you are in the day, <laughs> in the time of the day you are. And um, yeah, let me introduce you first our uh, two guest speakers, Dr. Yanagisawa and Dr. Fukuma. Um, that um, they will be talking about their very interesting um, amazing research here today. And um, Dr. Um, Fukuma, he's a specially appointed assistant professor of neurosurgery um, department um, and um, of the Graduate School of Medicine in Osaka University in Japan. And um, he is in um, Dr. Yanagisawa's um, um, lab and the Department of Neurosurgery also, Osaka, um, Japan. And he's a professor in the Institute of Advanced Co-Creation Studies and Neurosurgeon, MD-PhD. Um, and prior to joining the Institute, he was a lecturer in the Endowed Research Division of Clinical Neuroengineering at Osaka University. And he received his PhD in neurosurgery from Osaka University in 2009, and he was a postdoctoral researcher there afterwards. And um, he uh, received a Young Science uh, Prize from MEX Japan in 2013. And um, the research um, is in clinical neurophysiology and clinical application of brain-machine interface and neurofeedback, which includes analysis of intracranial signals implanted in human patients. Uh, they are particularly interested in decoding and control of cortical inflammation using uh, big data of brain signals and human behavior. It's really an honor to have um, the two of you here um, and if it's okay, Victoria would ask you a more general question in the beginning and then the stage is yours to share your research. Is that, is that good? Well, I, I, I asked Mimi. <laughs> well, it's all right. Yes, yeah. of course, yes. Okay, thank you. Victoria. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Katarina, and thank you, Dr. Hukuma and Dr. Yanagisawa. We're so happy to have you here. We like to start with a general question, as Katarina mentioned, to give us, oh, to maybe familiarize ourselves with you so that we, we can know a little bit about the researchers who are presenting and we can, um, you know, know you more than beyond your research. And so if it's okay. My question is a two-part question. And so this can go to both of you. 
Reflecting on your experience in childhood or maybe later, can you recall when you realized a strong connection or maybe an attraction to science or scientific exploration? Maybe it was a teacher or an outing you were on, but something that made you feel that pull that told you science was something that you really uh, identified with. And then can you share an overview of the path that has led you to the research that you're presenting here today? Thank you. Uh, right. Well, well. So, sorry, I, I, I couldn't uh, get your point. It was the first question. <laughs> yeah, and I'll find it was the sec second mm -hmm. one. First question. Yes. When do you know when you first felt interested in science? Oh. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, well, it's quite a difficult question. Yeah, okay. yeah, and it's okay yeah. if it's. Yeah, well, yeah, well, actually, I, I well, I, I was interested in research when I was quite young, and the, then I just get interested with the. Uh, well, human, human brain activities. Uh, I started research with the brain-computer interface. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so is it okay? Mm-hmm. So okay. I, yeah, thank you for um, humoring us. <laughs> and um, yeah, thank you so much. That's we we really appreciate that, and I don't know. Perhaps Dr. Yanagisawa, uh, would can, you? Can, can yeah. you hear me? Uh, okay. Yes. Uh, so we can you. hear you so, so much so, better. Uh, because my uh, I'm a neurosurgeon, so I'm pretty much interested in to cure some patient, and basically we are uh, interested in neuroscience to develop uh, new tools to cure some neurological diseases. Actually, uh, we are neurosurgeons, so we are so much interested in the invasive techniques to to do. Uh, actually, uh, so there, so far we have not so much tools to uh, recover the neurological function. So we are interested in the brain-machine interface to reconstruct the neurological function. So. Uh, as, uh, I'm not quite sure when I have developed the scientific interest. <laughs> I, I maybe I'm so much interested to uh, to uh, contribute to to the to treat the patient in uh, in a young age. Uh, maybe that's that's that was in affected by my parents. I think. Uh, is it? Thank you. Yes, it's it's fascinating to hear the different answers that people can share with us, because we all have such different experiences, and maybe somebody became interested. Often we hear that it was from our parents, or maybe it was an experience in the classroom. So, right. thank you very much for sharing that and for reflecting. <laughs> and if you're ready, then 
the stage is yours to share your research. Uh, right, thank you. <laughs> and I may say um, that our format is that you can present your research as you wish, and after, yeah. then we can open up the stage to some friends who can ask you, can have a Q&A with you, some questions and answers. Right, okay, yeah. Thank you. Okay, so, yeah, I, I'm Ryo Hefukuma, the first author of this paper entitled Voluntary Control Semantic Neural Representations by Majuri with Conflicting Visual Stimulation. But uh, first of all, all, I'd like to introduce background of this study. So, well, as the Dr. Anexa said, we have been working on brain-computer interface and so-called BCI, and our purpose is to develop BCI that can be actually applied to patients. So among many types of diseases that BCI can help the patients, patients with uh, well, LS have strong needs for BCI because when LS gets severe, patients gradually lose control of their muscles and finally they become locked in state. So that means also they have uh, very good cognitive functions, they become paralyzed and unable to communicate with others. And actually many researchers have been working on BCI so that the patients can communicate again with others. And actually some researchers have already shown that the with implantation of electrodes in their brains, the patients can use some spelling machines to communicate. Well, but the there is some problem. These BCIs relies on the motor-related activity, where these motor-related activities are known to be lost when ALS disease progress and compared to the motor-related activity. Vision-related activity is known to survive longer. So we focused on imagery-based BCI. So that's a very, very background of this paper. So for the purpose of the BCI, we needed to solve some important questions. So, well, if, well, I, I think you have some <laughs> PDF or something. So please look at figure 1B and imagine the vision-based BCI is in use. So the patient is on the bed and the feedback monitor is placed in front of the patient. So first question is that if the patient can change their brain activities by visual imagery while looking at the different image on the feedback monitor. So, well, when we see something, for example, when we see human face, visually related brain area called visual cortex activates with some special pattern, which we call neural representation. Interestingly, when we imagine same thing while we close our eyes, visual cortex is activated with similar pattern as if we were looking at the human face. But what will happen if we imagine while we open our eyes? So I think it's quite easy for you to imagine something while looking at someone's face. But the neural representation while looking at something while imagining a different thing has been fully understood. And the second question is that if the patient can 
controls image in the feedback monitor by visual imagery. So we tackled these two questions in this paper. So first of all, we built a hypothesis because we know that the visual perception and visual imagery evokes similar neural representations in the visual cortex. Our hypothesis is that imagining an image would activate a neural representation of perceiving the imagined image even while watching a different image. So, well, let's consider how the imagery-based VCI works if this hypothesis is true. We first create a decoder to infer perceived image from the brain activity. And then this decoder is applied in the real-time decoding like a situation showing figure 1b. At first, the feedback monitor shows some random image, but the feedback image on the monitor is updated every 250 milliseconds. So when the patient visually imagine an image for a certain category, the imagery should change the brain activity a little bit toward to the neural representation of, the, of perceiving the image of the category. So the feedback image becomes a little bit similar to the imagined one. Even if this change is very small, successive changes will eventually show the image representing the imagined category. This is what we expected for the imagery-based VCI. Then, uh, let me introduce two key techniques we used. First one is the recording method of the brain activity. To record the brain activity, we used electrocorticogram, also known as intracranial EEG or ECOG. It's a EEG, but the electrode, uh, electrodes are placed on the cortical surface of the brain and often used to find the focus of the epilepsy. So you can find the electrode locations in figure H, uh, sorry, 1A. And the second technique is uh, word to back. Word to back is a method to convert convert a word into a vector so that uh, linear operation can be performed. Most famous example is that the vector operation of king minus man plus woman makes queen using the 1000 dimensional space acquired by a word to back model. We perform the decoding. Well, so let's go into the detail. First, patients were shown with the 60 minutes videos consisting of various kinds of scenes such as humans, animals, landscape, space, and food, and so on. Uh, you can find these scenes in the figure too. Of course, we recorded the ego while they watched the videos. And from the videos, we created 1,000 dimensional vectors, which we called uh, scene vectors. Every one second, image was cropped from the video, videos and annotated by volunteers. The annotations were divided into nouns, verbs, and adjectives, and then they were converted into 1,000 1, dimensional vectors for each. The vectors of one scene was were averaged to create a scene vector. Figure 1b shows the results of the principal component analysis to the 3,600 vectors. Well, because we have one hour videos. The horizontal and vertical axis denote 
first and second principal components with shin. Roughly speaking, first component meant uh, human face versus others, and uh, second component meant word versus landscape. For these three categories, well, I mean word, landscape, and human face, we selected 50 scenes each. The selection was based on the highest correlation coefficient of the scene vector with the vector for word, landscape, or human face. Well, for the vector of the human face, we just average the vector for human and vector for face. These selected scenes are shown with the color dots in figure 2b. And the average brain activity in the high gamma band, while the, well, sorry, high gamma band is the frequency between 80 to 150 hertz. And so the average brain activity in the high gamma band, while the patient was shown with these scenes, are shown in the figure to she. Well, you can see the, so some, I think, activation in the visual areas shown shown is the green and the blue color which denotes the uh, uh, early visual areas and the higher visual areas and the the electrode that activated differently by the categories also showing the rightmost panel in the figure to see so the Electrodes in the these higher and early visual areas responded differently to the scenes of the different categories. Then we perform the decoding analysis. From the high gamma band brain activity, we infer the scene vectors using regressions. The result in, is shown in figure three. Figure 3a, the inferred vectors were converted into the uh, PCA space acquired in the figure 2b, and we calculated the correlation coefficient between the values of the actual principal component and the values of the inferred principal components. The first component showed the highest correlation coefficient around 0.4. And we then perform the real-time feedback task showing figure four. And figure four A shows the timeline of the of a trial. At first of the trial, patient was given with the auditory instruction to display. So what landscape or human face. And the patient started visual imagination there. Then the feedback monitor started to show the feedback images. And in each trial, 32 feedback images were shown with an interval of 250 milliseconds. And the feedback image was selected from the image images of the stimulus videos based on the highest correlation coefficients between the scene vector and the vectors, ah, sorry, vector inferred in the real time. So feedback images of 
representative trials are shown in figure 5a. And we calculated the decoding accuracy again based on the correlation coefficients for each inferred vector for, for one single feedback image. Correlation coefficient of the inferred vector was calculated with the vector word and scape and the human space because it's a three choice task among the three category. If the highest correlation coefficient was achieved with the instructed category in the trial, the prediction was considered to be correct. Actually, the red bars under the image in figure 5a denotes correct prediction. Uh, timeline of the accuracy is also shown in figure 5c. And to evaluate the overall accuracy, we did the similar three-choice evaluation using the correlation coefficients averaged among the 32 feedback images in the trial. The accuracy was in the range of the 41.76% to 50%, where the chance level accuracy was uh, three, sorry, 33.3%. And all four patients participated in this real-time feedback task showed the uh, significant accuracies. So that means the patients could control the BCI using the imagery. But uh, toward which direction did they control? To evaluate this point, we con concatenated all the inferred vectors and the vectors of the instructions during the real-time feedback task, and again compare them in the PCA space. The correlation coefficient for each component is shown in figure 5f, and well, it's a bit, I think it's a bit interesting. So component 1 shows the lower correlation coefficient compared to component 2. So the relation is different if you compare the figure with the figure 3a. And then uh, we performed another task to evaluate well, how the neural representation actually changed due to the visual imagery. So experimental paradigm of this task is shown in figure 6a. At first, the patients are shown with an image of a landscape award. During this period, they were instructed to remember the image. We call this period as a non-imaginary period. And then another image from the another category was shown. So if patients were first shown with the landscape image as the first non-imaginary period, they were then shown with the word image. And this time, the patients were required, uh, instructed to visually imagine the first image while watching the second image. And we call this period as the imaginary period. When we compare the high gamma brain activity during these two periods, we found that the imagery decreased the power in the early visual areas. So it's shown in figure 6C. Uh, using the decoder, similarly trained to the real-time one, we decoded the brain activity of these two periods. And this result is shown in figure 7a. And blue and red 
points, then was the image, image category the patient was shown with. Blue one is the landscape, and the red one is the word. And horizontal and the vertical axis denote the correlation coefficient. Uh, correlation coefficient of the inferred vector with the vector of landscape. Uh, sorry, uh, correlation coefficient of between the inferred vector between the inferred vector and the vector of landscape or word, respectively. So please look at the left panel of the figure 7a. So when patients are simply looking at image, red and blue points distributed like this. And well, if we could perform some perfect de decoding, the red point are expected to go over the diagonal line and blue points are expected under the diagonal line. Anyway, so please compare it to the right panel. The blue point moved upward. So that, that means when a patient imagine a word image while watching the landscape image, the correlation coefficient between the inferred vector and the word vector increased. This difference must be caused by the visual imagery. We named it as um, modulation and evaluated this modulation for each time window in the two periods. And then please look at figure 7c. The modulation towards word, uh, I mean the difference caused by the imagery of word image while watching the landscape image are significant in the two time windows, uh, that's uh, 0 to 1 second and 1 to 2 second. And the modulation for landscape was significant for the for the 0 0.5 to 1.5 second time window. Uh, we did the same analysis using uh, electrode in the higher and other visual areas. Results are shown in the figure 7e. The modulation seems to be larger in higher visual area compared to the other visual area. So, right, so, so far, we that the end of the all experiments. So we have shown that with, with these experiments, we have shown that the patient could really control the imagery-based BCI, and also shown that the imagining an image actually activated the neural representation of uh, perceiving the imagined image, even while watching a different image. In other words, the hypothesis was true at least for word and landscape category. And I think there are many things that can be discussed, but uh, among them, I want to mention the one point. I think that's interesting and important point. So as I just mentioned before, the difference between the figure 3a and the figure 5f. So the first component showed the highest decoding accuracy for the Offline analysis. Well, I, I mean, when the patient was not in the real time without real time feedback. But when the decoder was using the real time feedback task, the accuracy decreased a lot. So maybe the direction along uh, 
speech, the decoder can infer easily. Do not always mean that patients could control the feedback along the direction. So, to achieve good decoding method or decoding space, well, the one we use, what back, probably we cannot rely on the accuracy of the offline analysis, but we need to perform actual real time feedback task and see the accuracy. Uh, right, so basically that's it. So, <laughs> is there any questions? Thank you so much for uh, presenting your so interesting work. It really amazed me when I read your paper that you could distinguish like that that you could distinguish so well between the the imagined image and the image that patients were seeing and it will be really great for people that have locked in syndrome or ALS patients as you mentioned in the in the paper it's amazing so I uh, yeah please uh, flash your mics if you have a question um, yeah Abyss go ahead okay um, Ohio gozaimasu uh, <laughs> uh, Ohio gozaimasu <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah, this is really fascinating, and I think like this kind of takes in the um, the um, brain computer interface to like a, a whole new level. Uh, because like so far, I think that we're kind of dependent on the uh, sort of a very highly invasive motor cortex implants to essentially de decode um, mm. responses. But this, I think, it's like really, really promising. The fact that it's ECOG and uh, show has like minimal damage to the brain. That being said, I do have a couple of questions. Um, first one being, um, um, you mentioned something about word to vec and it seems like there is a lot of bias when you're doing word to vec especially like, you know, when you're doing, um, um, uh, trying to calculate or approximate dimensions, like you just mentioned, like uh, for example, the, the distance between uh, man and woman and king and queen should be similar. I think like that's how word to vec essentially encodes. Mm -hmm. Do you see that same observation uh, when you're measuring um, uh, when you're measuring from the um, uh, like the um, uh, like the the area of the brain basically? Um, uh, but do you have like some kind of similarity between between the two? How you do the word to word to vec uh, to say like discerning uh, faces of, of different genders or different discerning between different landscapes. Uh, that would be my first question. Uh, so, uh, uh, so, sorry, so do you mean the, what, what the VEC has, uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, um, um abyss do you want to repeat that <laughs> yeah yeah sure yeah, I, sure. I can repeat that so what i mean is that since when we're doing work to vec mm -hmm. um especially uh, from machine learning point of view right. we're trying to um at least like project our understanding so that our system can understand it can un can can give us better accuracy i guess my question is by using work to vec approach are you using some kind of or projecting your own bias into measuring the cortical activity? Does that make sense? I, I can rephrase that if needed. 
well, it's, uh, well, um, well uh, sorry, I'm not sure if it's answering to your question, but the, the, what, what Beck is, well, so as a research using the fMRI shows that what, what Beck already shown that what Beck is, uh, can be used to brain decoding and uh, when when so from from the brain activities they show that the the content co content of the visual perception and I think some related related feeling or something and. Hi, uh, uh, can I add something? Uh, yes, please. So, so I think that there are some biases using the word to back. I think there are two uh, biases in here. Uh, one is uh, the word to back itself. So word to back has the relation of the words among them. So, and that was uh, learned from the Wikipedia, I mean, the natural language sentences. So th there is some the biases of the relation in the word and word to back itself. And also we, we made the annotations of each image uh, by the annotators. So the human annotator made uh, uh, sentences to describe the, the scenes. So that makes some biases. I mean, the, uh, so, so human bias and the word to back itself bias. So, w w but the, actually, maybe he he did not explain. But we we tried some several other uh, method. I mean, several other representational space. But uh, among them, this word to back representational space was the best to be controlled so far. So uh, I think that. Uh, yeah, uh, it depends that, that our result depends on the representation space itself, and uh, we need to find some good space to uh, fit the brain activity or especially the uh, perception and the imagery. Uh, uh, so uh, we are not quite sure what kind of feature or what kind of property is necessary to create such good representation space, but uh, uh, so far it's working well. Uh, yeah, is it Got clear? it. Yeah, yeah, that's actually very clear. Thank you. Yep. Right. Uh, and my second question was, um, there is a condition, well, technically it's not a pathology, but there is a condition called aphantasia, where people are in, unable to imagine things. Um, I don't know if that, um, showed up in your, um, at least like if you try to address it as a potential problem when people uh, go back to like reimagining the um, uh, the scenes that were they were given so that you can devise a very uh, stable and robust kind of BCI based on the visual system. All oh, right, so, so.
so 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 you mean the the so this kind do you mean that the this kind of patients well yeah so is imaginary to control yes so they cannot actually visualize things based on physical cues um and for some reason they may not actually kind of create this visual manifestation of what they saw and what they heard it's not it's not a pathology like i said um i think it has primarily to do with the fusiform gyrus but i'm just wondering if that um kind of creates some bottleneck to do uh, a visual cortex um bci Right, well. <laughs> so you mean the difference of the imagery, the ability to imagine something? So may I jump in and explain about it? Yeah. Yeah. Because there was a research. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for the fascinating research. There was a re research released recently, and uh, the I mean, some of the researchers they found that the people who who are experiencing aphasia actually that was about the contraction of the pupil of the eyes uh, i mean through the light and dark pattern uh, because they cannot have a visualization and i think that abyss means that did you find any further information from your research that it can be related because they cannot have a visualization uh, and when they just put the pattern of the light and dark, they just notice that they don't have any reaction towards to it. Oh, yeah. We, we, we haven't actually the, the so evaluated. The, so the, I'm not quite sure the, the patient i mean the the patient cannot this uh, imagine something yes basically they just explained that um, through the light and dark it, it, there is a different i mean uh, what, with the, what 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 katarina uh i think dr yaga yeah, is saying that they didn't analyze data from patients that have this um difficulty so they cannot answer the question yeah <laughs> basically that too <laughs> but i uh, yeah so but of course it depends on the, the, the there are some differences of the ability to imagine something so some patient uh, uh, looks difficult to uh, imagining so, so someone says that he he or she cannot imagine anything so that's that's uh, very difficult part but uh, in in uh, in our system so bci is a kind of closed loop system so the patient can learn how to use how to control the presented image by uh, controlling their brain activities that's the simple explanation of our system so although we have in instructed to imagine something they might can control their brain activity uh, by other uh, strategies, something. So it, it's 
I, we are not quite sure the so far we, we we cannot say that they can control the, the system without imagery but uh, they, it might be possible to control the uh, uh, by some other strategies w without visual imagery or something Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, anyone else has questions with some? Um, I want to ask my question if uh, it's possible. So uh, my question is about your, I mean, samples actually from uh, E1 to E21 with epilepsy. I was just wondering, those people have a genetical epilepsy or it just happened, for example, from the TBI? or any kind of brain injury? This is my first question. Yeah, actually, uh, I should answer to your question. So uh, most of the patient are uh, focal cortical dysplasia. So they uh, they have some uh, genetically uh, some abnormal uh, brain regions around the uh, visual uh, or occipital or temporal cortex. And uh, uh, yeah, I I think one patient had the uh, some trauma, but uh, I think one, two, four. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that E one to E four were all FGD. I guess. Yeah. And is there any kind of brain asymmetrical between the patient, or did you evaluate that or not? Asymmetrical, yeah. I think one patient had uh, kind of asymmetrical, a uh, little bit atrophic brain in the occipital area. Fukuma-kun, <laughs> do you remember that the E1 to E4 has the that patient? Mm, sorry, I don't really remember it. <laughs> yeah, I think the E1 to E4 has no uh, such asymmetry, but uh, uh, we recorded uh, all uh, 17 patients. Among that patient, yeah, we have some asymmetrical brain. Uh, yeah, patient with asymmetrical brain. Thank you. Wisam, did you have a question? Um, no, I, I'm uh, just listening. I, I came in a little late, but I'm definitely going to catch the replay. But I just ran a, a room for, I was presenting for like three hours, so a little tired. Oh. <laughs> um, th thanks for the room. This, pap this paper is super interesting. I've been glancing at it. So I'm, I'm glad uh, you, you've uh, set this up and I'm, I'll definitely catch up on the, on the replay. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, Frank, uh, Denise, do you have any questions? Okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I have a small question regarding uh, the algorithm that you use. I saw PCA. Uh, are you considering any other uh, uh, learning algorithms uh, in your uh, work? 
So, so, what did you ask? So, is a uh, our fish so applying fish to something? So, sorry, <laughs> please repeat your question. Yes, I I, I saw I I only uh, had a a. a a chance to look through your paper briefly, mm. so I haven't read in detail, but I do catch the keyword uh, you're using the algorithm PCA. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I was uh, wondering, curious, uh, are you uh, using, considering uh, other similar uh, machine learning algorithm as well, as a comparison? Uh... No, so well, for the decoding itself, we perform the ridge regressions, and PCA is well just kind of to show the clear result. <laughs> yeah, we we actually we want to evaluate the uh, how the space well, so what the space with the three thousand six hundred shin vectors, uh, what kind of uh, so well, I, I want I want the ability to specify itself and the how the subject controlled the feedback images within this space. So we used PCA, but the, yeah. So Doctor Fukumatra used the PCA to represent the uh, the how the representation space is, but uh, he also applied the TSNE to make the uh, clustering. Uh, visualization of the representation space. Could, uh, could you explain the difference? Ah, right. So, yeah, so for the visualization, I perform the TSNE, that's uh, as a method to embed the high dimensional space into the very, very small uh, space with a very, very small dimensions. So, and the, well, actually the result is shown in the supplemental figure, I think. And the, when I perform the visualization with the figure, like uh, the so visualization of the 3,600 shim vectors, like the figure 2B, well, I actually get very, very nice clustering and each cluster contains similar meaning. So scenes with the landscape made the nice clusters and scenes with animals made, made another nice clusters. So, so well, from, from these results, I could say that the scene vector captured the semantic information nicely. And also, yeah. if I can add uh, some few things um, in doing BCI, um, PCA is like pretty much this um, sort of the standard. As long as you can capture much of the variance, you can apply PCA and just play around with the two principal components. That would reduce a lot of uh, dimensional hectic process bed and and taste needs, as well as like a really good way to. Uh, essentially reduce the dimensions, but if you have features that seem to have some kind of correlation, you can reduce them in two dimensions so that you can get 
um, you, you know, uh, equal space, or at least like, you know, um, reduce the spacing between similar features. So, so yeah, I just wanted to, to add that up. Um, yeah, great explanation. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> So, I, by the way, yeah. Yes. Uh, sure. uh, so uh, one thing I, I need to add maybe, so although we used PCA to the visualization, but we, we didn't uh, do the machine learning in the PCA space. I mean, the, uh, we did not reduce the dimension uh, to make the decoder or to make the feedback. So the patient are controlling the 1000 dimensional space, even in a closed loop situation. <laughs> Uh, yes, I understand. Thank you, you know, for all the answers. Uh, the, I mean, uh, usually, you know, when if if you uh, if there's a need, because uh, sometimes the data lives in a, a very uh, sophisticated higher dimension. So sometimes uh, a researcher will augment their linear. Uh, reduction algorithm with the nonlinear ones, yeah. So I was just curious, yeah. Yeah, actually, we 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 thought once to uh, whether whether the control becomes better if we restrict the the low dimensional space. So we just applied two or three dimension in the control space, but uh, unfortunately or interestingly, <laughs> it was not so much good result. I mean, the the patient. Uh, more e easily controlled in the thousand dimensional space uh, compared to the two dimensional to three dimension. So I'm not quite sure the, the reason, but uh, uh, I think that the, the, this thousand dimensional space in the world to back space has the has the meaning as itself. So the restricted to 2D or 3D PCA component has losing uh, is losing the some more uh, information so i think that's caused the controllability yes i mean i mean probably you know it's a it'll be very interesting data to be extracted right so if there's a embedded manifold type of higher dimensional structure in your data then so it's a gold mine yeah for further extractions yeah Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Fukuma, do you have any comments on that? Uh, no, well, well, I, I have no, no additional <laughs> comment on this. Uh, I thought uh, you mentioned uh, later in the discussion about the different re different differences between the gamma activity and the alphabet activity that convey the top-down signals and uh, the um, that they change over time if that if i understand it right and that the imagery task uh, was modulated by the gamma band uh, is that is that correct uh well so in discussion yes we this 
discussed with yeah about this point the yes uh, gamma sheet and gamma band activity con well previous study says that the sheet and gamma activity conveys the bottom-up information so that's actually information about with the of the perceiving image and alpha beta activity conveys the top-down information so we think that's uh, uh, the information about the uh, image itself so and the well actually in our studies we just we decoded only in high gamma band, band because it has the highest accuracy compared to others um, yeah but the yeah i think it's uh it's uh consistent with the previous study because the they say that the gamma band activity conveys the perception information and actually received the highest accuracy and uh, yeah and uh, actually some studies says that there is some coupling between the low frequency band and high frequency band cross frequency coupling so maybe through this cross frequency coupling the modulation so i mean the imagery affect the activity in the high gamma band conveying uh, conveying the bottom-up information well but it's just a speculation because we have no we haven't performed some kind that kind of analysis <laughs> yeah that that's really interesting to me um do you think that um if you record more and more data that maybe one day i'm not sure how um comparable the eeg data like purely eeg data would be but do you think if you train enough with your more clean data from the the implanted bci um do you think you could train basically with that data eeg data set and you could get uh clean the clean the data basically to get um, information that's comparable with the quality you have right now with the implants one day uh, actually i don't think so because the well as you know eg so scalp eg can only capture information with the frequency up to like uh, maybe 30 40 or 50 and with well i think i have some result for that oh yeah so if you see the figure 2a that's uh that's uh replicability of the brain activity so well as i Told the patient was shown with the the six minute sixty minute video, but actually we have shown them another video consisting of a repetition of the two point five minutes minutes videos, and the, we just evaluated how the brain activity replicate between this repetition. So if the color is high, the brain activity was similar between the 
uh, repetition of the videos. But the if you see the alpha or beta beta map, the replicability itself is very very low. And uh, well, and if you I think if you see the supplementary figure, I think you can find some decoding result with alpha or beta band, and it's much worse. Uh, um, because the EEG cannot capture this high frequency activity, like high gamma or low gamma, I think it's difficult. But that, that depends on the sensor, I guess. So uh, maybe that's the, it's the, the problem of signal-to-noise ratio. So if the signal is higher, uh, it's easy to decode. But uh, if the noise is small, it's also the high signal to noise ratio. So if we can reduce the noise, uh, I mean, uh, if you can develop the new uh, sensors to be attached to the uh, scalp, uh, which can reduce the noise, it, it, we might record the, the high gamma activities. So for example, we, if we can uh, add or repeat the same stimu stimulus, uh, several times and uh, if we can average the activity for the, the same stimulus we can get some high gamma activities even in a low signal to noise ratio but uh, so uh, but in, in this case we are controlling the the the, the uh, in a closed loop online situation so it's difficult to use the uh, multiple stimulus or multiple average of the uh, multiple stimulus so so yeah but but it depends on the uh, uh, sensors so it, if we can develop the nice uh, cleaner uh, a nice electrode to get the high signal to noise ratio yeah we can develop the, that kind of non-invasive uh, PCI Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I think for um, places around the world where we don't have so many neurosurgeons and where it's not that easy to get a major surgery, I think that would be would be very important. But I think for our developed countries, this is probably the better the better solution. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, does anyone else has more questions? Please raise your hand. Uh, we are almost, um, the hour is almost up. So um, if you have a last question, please go ahead. Uh, if not, I'll ask, um, I'll ask uh, another question. Are you, um, I wanted to ask, are you planning to also use this for uh, not just the visual system, maybe for auditory um, or for speech, um, the same method um, with people that have, or maybe even uh, moving um, object with your mind, basically. Are you, are you planning or are you doing, um, going into more uh, sensory motor um, areas um, with this technology. Uh, yes, well, 
It's I I uh, we I agree. It's very interesting to do similar thing with the auditory or might maybe some text text on the screen. Yeah, but the uh, yeah, problem is that how we can create nice feedback. <laughs> That's the uh, yeah basically problem. But uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting to extend this research to other modalities. Yeah. Yeah, we would, would like to make some multimodal uh, feedback. I mean, the, uh, basically that that the people can image some concept so uh, 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 that, that the same concept has the different modalities something like auditory or visual so uh, we would like to decode and the feedback to, to control that concept uh, using this kind of similar method so uh, but yeah actually the, the, yeah there are some problems uh, uh, technical problems so far but uh, we are now trying to uh, several things, yeah. Oh, that's really exciting. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, follow your research and um, yeah, yeah, finding out what's next. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, but uh, it's very interesting to to know that 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 kind of yeah. It, there, there are so much interest in this in in BCI, so I'm very happy to hear the, this question. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. Um, it's yeah, amazing what you um, what you were able to do with this technology. I really uh, find it very fascinating. So. Thank you so much for taking the time and being here and uh, sharing your knowledge and um, with us and answering our questions. So uh, we really all appreciate it very much. And um, I hope you'll enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Uh, it's my great pleasure to be here and uh, to share our knowledge. Thank you so much. For this opportunity yeah i hope you you come back with uh when you have updates um and new projects to share with us uh, thank you so much <laughs> it's so similar to the portuguese thank you <laughs> obrigado it's in portuguese but... Uh, <laughs> it's <very> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you everyone for coming and for asking questions and thank you again for sharing your amazing research. Um and um have a great um day, evening, morning, wherever you are. And um please follow the Science Society. Uh, if you like uh, rooms like this with um, invited guest speakers and um, yeah I hope I hear you all back sometime soon thank you thank, thank you, you. Thank, thank you bye 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 everyone